Hi, everyone. Today I'm joined by Sebastian, who we had on the podcast back in episode 36. With Sebastian, we talk about what it was like moving to the UAE in Dubai and not paying taxes on any income or investments. And then what it was like to move back to Belgium and become a tax resident once again in Europe. We also talk about the main differences between the UAE and Belgium, what it was like to reach FI at the age of 33, and some of the pros and cons of living in either country. Hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them, about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage, and making the most of your money. This was your hosts, Alvar, Arminta, and Matthias. Hi, everyone. I am here with Sebastian. Sebastian, thanks for joining me. Hi, Arminta. Yeah, good to be here. Good to speak to you again. Yes, Sebastian has been on our podcast before, quite a few episodes ago, so I'm quite excited to have him back on. But before we dive into our topic for today, uh, for those who don't know you, Sebastian, could you give us a bit of a summary of who you are and what it is that you currently do? Yeah, uh, sure. So as you said, my name is Sebastian. I am from Belgium and I currently live in Belgium. I like to call myself a dad and community builder and an educator. So, well, we'll talk about this a bit later, but basically I reached financial independence a couple of years ago when I was 33. And so I've changed my my identity a little bit from what I used to do for work to what I do now, which is, yeah, basically not making money. <laughs> <laughs> Living the fi life. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's actually pretty much uh, what we, we kind of want to chat about today because you made most of your money and retired uh, or retired, reached financial independence at 33 in UAE, in Dubai. So today we kind of wanted to talk a bit about what it was like to move from a tax-free country back to uh, Belgium. Uh, but yeah, could you tell us a little bit what the tax situation is like in the UAE and yeah, what, we, what your experience was like over there? Yeah, so the UAE is uh, an interesting place to work in because of taxes, among other things. Um, basically, there are no income taxes and it is often presented as a tax-free country, but they have other ways of getting money out of you into the government system, obviously. But, but generally, people tend to be, I mean, Western expats that move there that are working in a very specific uh, industry would be paid quite well and often way better than here in Europe. And it's tax-free. So that is, I would say that's the main advantage uh, financially. Yeah. And what I'd love to do in this episode is to kind of get into the really the nitty gritty, gritty details of how the UAE works. And it's, if it's really a good opportunity for people who want to save money on taxes and do yeah. geo-arbitrage and maybe move to the UAE. Yeah, I, I think that's an amazing opportunity. <laughs> yeah? yeah. OK. And, and, and I guess my I had a question, actually, because you went there as an employee. Is it possible to just go, you know, go to the UAE and kind of set up your own business and in, enjoy the the tax free stuff over there just yes. like that yes totally right just like that and yes and no so what you need to be able to work in the UAE is to have a UAE residence visa uh, and which comes with the work permit and all of this I don't know the details exactly but either you get a job and so you're employed there or you buy a license to be self-employed and so that license can cost a lot depending on when you register where you register it. Uh, but it's it's possible. Um, you just need to make sure you 
earning enough to pay for the license and then cover your cost of living. But yes, definitely. Great. And I remember we have a friend in common, Steve, who is yeah. self-employed. He has his own business in Dubai. Uh, and I actually went to, well, I didn't go to visit him, but I was hap I happened to be in Dubai and I stayed at, in his villa. Uh, and it was very nice to see a bit how, what the lifestyle is like. Uh, I remember Dubai being quite expensive, right? But yeah. obviously, if you have a high income, then it's a little bit more manageable. Yes. And so... People can expect higher salaries than the average in Europe, uh, but the cost of living is slightly higher as well for, like in general, in the expat community, right? Because bigger villas, people expect to be paid more, and so they expect to have a bigger villa, and and it's just, uh, there's a competition to show off with, you know, the biggest car you can have and the best school for your kids and all sorts of things there. So there is a lifestyle inflation that kicks in right away when you land because all expats around there are spending the money they earn and so so it can feel like it's uh yeah you could quickly spend all all of your extra uh income but then on the other side there is also a way of living in a much more normal way and, and cheaper way you just don't don't let yourself trapped into this uh, lifestyle inflation that comes with being an expat and so steve is one good example of that he lives uh fairly frugally despite making really good income we, we both work there as consultants for many years and consultants get paid quite well and we traveled around and we lived in in villas that we shared uh, so i mean in a way that's kind of a bit of like house hacking like the first level i would say for him it was pretty intense because he was doing quite well but on our side we were just uh, renting a room in a shared villa and uh, having a great community with a bunch of really good friends and that cost far less than what most other people were doing so i used to spend maybe between half and a third of most of my colleagues just living the same lifestyle and having as much fun. So yeah, definitely a good place to save money and and a good place to earn more pretty fast. So obviously when we talk about FI and the, the way to get there is there's two parts, right? Earn more, invest well, and then save more so that you can invest the difference, obviously. Uh, and in Dubai, you can do both really. Yeah, that's that's uh, interesting kind of how UAE is a good place. You can just go there, earn a lot of money and then FI and go yeah. somewhere else. And it's true for the UAE, it's true for Qatar, it's true for quite a few of those expat destinations where you have you know, advantages tax rates. I mean, Singapore can be one of those, Hong Kong as well. And it's about, yeah, the, the key there is to have the mindset that you don't have to fall into the expat lifestyle inflation trap and just do your own thing. And so moving on to investments, how do you how did you start investing in the UAE? What what does it look like? Is there an international brokerage or because you're a tax resident? I remember when I was in Dubai, for example, video chatting was blocked. Um, yeah. So there are a few things in this country that are blocked or a little bit gray. You know, it's it's not a straightforward. I mean, it's not a Western country. It's a bit it's a bit different, yeah. right? So yeah, just tell us a little bit what you can and can't do when it comes to investing and all that stuff. So yeah, there are some restrictions when you live uh, in the UAE because the government controls everything. But when it comes to investing, that's not really the case. The challenge in the UAE when it comes to investing is that there's very little regulation enforced on financial products and financial services uh, and professionals. So there are some regulations, but they're very broad and lax and actually mostly designed by the people who are benefiting from it not for so not designed to protect the investors so one big challenge in the uae is obviously those uh horribly expensive savings plan that a lot of people fall into where they commit to save a certain amount regularly into an insurance plan related linked to investments for a certain period of time um, and i started investing like that so it was 
It was the only thing available, the one thing that is recommended everywhere. Whenever you speak to HR or financial advisors or banks, they would recommend those plans because that seems to be the only way to do that. But that is not true. So I started like that. It hurt. I lost a lot of money. Um, <laughs> and when I realized that's when my investing journey really, like my real investment journey started then because I, I learned about index investing and I learned I could do it from there. It was just, just a bit more work than just giving my money to someone else and far easier than what most of the industry uh, wants you to believe. So yes, to answer your question, you can invest with uh, any broker that would let you open an account from the UAE. And so most international brokers will do that. Um, the most famous ones are interactive brokers, uh, Saxo Bank, Internax, uh, which is now part of Swissquote, so Swissquote and a few others, but these are like the top, the top three, four that most of the investing community uses. And, and you can, yeah, you can invest tax-free basically because there's no tax on capital gains or dividends or, or, or anything like that. And so it's a great place to earn money. And it's a great place to invest and actually make your money grow. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a very good place for uh, FI, uh, for pursuing FI while uh, index investing. Yeah, for sure. I remember reading in Andrew Hallam's, I can't remember, the, the Millionaire Investor book, where he says that the huge amount of people that are getting scammed, especially international teachers, because they are the least financially educated and they're sold, uh, these snake oil salesmen sell them these yeah, exactly. incredibly expensive saving products that make no sense. And then they lock them you yes. know, for, for what, 50 years or something crazy or 25 years and yeah, you can't get out. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's actually heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking to see this. It ruins lives. It, yeah. it ruins families. I mean, it probably causes divorce and all sorts of problems because people lose their jobs. They have to move. They're locking those things. They lose half their money. And sometimes it's just, you know, say the husband who signed up for this and the wife disagreed, but he went ahead. Like there's a bunch of stories that are horrible. We've had people coming to us and, you know, just, crying after realizing how much they were losing in those plans, like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Because that one thing I didn't say in the podcast yet is I run, I mean, I said I'm a community builder and what I did in the UAE is after discovering how investing worked and how horrible those plans were, I basically started talking about this. And then from there, we, we gathered with a few people and we launched uh, a little volunteering uh, community called now, well, today it's called Simplify. And it's, it's like, its purpose is to help people realize that investing and pursuing financial independence is rather simple and definitely does not uh, require you to sign up to any of the expensive plans or work with any of the banks. It, it just needs you to learn the right things from people such as Andrew Hallam and his book, but like the, the common sense investing that most index investors in the West know about, but over there is still quite new. So that, that community is now growing. It's like, uh, yeah, there's, there's almost 11,000 people in the group. And we, we did events on a regular basis before COVID. And now sometimes we do some, some virtual events and we teach people for free, basically, because it's all run by a team of volunteers uh, that we built over the years. So yeah, if any expats are listening to this, uh, check out simplify.org. That's the website. And there's a free guide to expat investing, basically, where yeah, we, we, we've put everything in there. It's a 67-page document, but you read that, you're vaccinated, and you know everything you need to know to invest. All you need to do from there is just take action. It's, and it's, it's all laid out for you, both for investing and financial independence. No, I, and that's so, so important. Like if you're an expat and you're going to make tons of money, that's great, but you have to make sure that you're putting it in the right places because, as you said, I mean, you're doing such an important job by just helping these people manage their money. I, I heard stories of uh, these British expats that sell their pensions 
literally sell their pensions, their British pension pensions mm-hmm. to the to these banks and everything, and that's it. You're you're left with nothing. So there's so many horrible stories. Oh yeah, yeah. We don't, we, we are, don't need to get into them. But, yeah, yeah, we are in those stories all the time. Mm. Um, there's also a lot of really good stories. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, yeah. on the other hand, people who actually take control and do this in the right way, and then share, you know, simply help others because. This whole community is growing so fast because it's all based on volunteering work and people helping each other. And yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's such a such a great community. And yeah, we're very, very happy that we can help so many people. Yeah. So moving now to Belgium, you have since uh, left the UAE with all your, you know, investing growth and everything. Yeah. Uh, and you're now in Belgium. So I'm quite curious to hear how that transition was like, because yeah. now you do have to pay taxes. Yeah. So yeah, just talk to us a bit about how that transition really worked. So it was it was a transition that we planned a little bit over a year or so, but we didn't do it perfectly. <laughs> so yes, Belgium is, uh, is is not a tax-free country. There are a lot of taxes on many things, including investments. And despite doing some research before moving back, uh, we made some mistakes and we... Uh, yeah, we got caught on some of the taxes that we were not aware of and we have had to pay. Well, I will have to pay penalties on them because I reported them later than I should have. Anyway, so Belgium is more complicated. It's like most European countries, it's very bureaucratic. There's there's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of taxes in all sorts of directions. And for some reason, it's not clearly summarized in a single place, especially for index investors, because we are still quite there's just only a few of us, I guess. Uh, it's not very common for people to handle their own investments on their own brokerage account and to have to report their own taxes for whatever reason. So one big issue was that I was working with uh, Interactive Brokers, which is a US-based broker, uh, which does not handle the Belgian taxes for me. So my advice for anyone coming back to their country would be to make sure that they transfer their assets to a locally-based broker that handles the local taxes, because that will save you a lot of headache, but also a lot of money <laughs> in case you miss something. But wait, one second. What do you mean exactly by handling the local taxes? Because only you would be paying your own taxes. They don't need to pay. Yeah, but you need you need a broker that knows the local taxes and that either will take care of it for you. So most brokers based in Belgium will simply withhold the tax ah, uh, that needs to be paid when you do some transactions. And but only when, when you sell, when because with index investing, you don't really... Well, there are taxes that are not based on when you sell in Belgium. So, oh, well, oh yeah, well, there are taxes when you buy, and there are taxes when you sell because it's transaction tax. And so, yeah, those taxes are the tricky ones because I was not aware of those taxes until later after I did all of these transactions, <laughs> <laughs> and they cost a lot when you don't report them on time. So, coming back to Belgium is important to either really get the solid handle on your taxes, which is really tough. Like I've I've gone through all this, so now I know how to handle it and I can help people. But the best way is to simply move to a broker that handles the tax for you, the taxes for you, and and then you don't risk any fines because of delays or anything like that. And some people are like, I'm speaking to people who have seventy thousand euros and up uh, worth of penalty to pe- to pay because wow. they didn't declare the taxes over the past year and a half only, right? And this is not it's not depending on how much they were transaction. It's just that they made. 30 transactions, so even 30 transactions of 50 euros, if you don't report it on time and you let it go for, some, for long enough, it can, turns into, yeah, it can turn it down in, into tens of thousands of euros of penalties. So it's quite horrible. So now this is a very important advice. Move to a, a broker that really hand, knows how to handle local taxes. And it doesn't have to be a broker that will advise you on this, but they will have all the, 
information and then in most cases hopefully they actually do it for you and that's the best mm-hmm. the, even just, if it costs a bit more <laughs> i was going to say because local brokers the problem is that many of them maybe don't even invest they don't offer american uh funds or etfs or maybe they don't offer index mm-hmm. funds so that's a bit of a struggle isn't it so most most local brokers will offer all etfs and they will they will give you access to most stock exchanges in europe actually all of them and then if they don't give access to american stock exchanges as uh, often due to some other regulation but we don't really need them we we need to invest in european stock exchanges anyway because we prefer buying Irish domiciled ETFs and uh, because these are more tax efficient in the long run, especially trying to avoid the US inheritance tax, which hurts. And that's the case also for people who live in the UAE, right? We still try to avoid any US-based taxes because they hurt. (laughs) They hurt a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, And so, okay, well, first let's start with untaxed residenting yourself from the UAE. I don't even know if that's a phrase, but you know, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. How easy is that? You just leave. (laughs) Yeah. You just leave and say bye-bye yeah. or or you have to just close your accounts. I've, I've always, because every country is so complex in order to remove yourself as a tax resident, it's just a nightmare. So how did you do it with the UAE? How do you remove <laughs> yourself? So the UAE is quite simple because there's no taxes. So you're not really, you're a tax resident, but there's nothing to pay. And all you have to do is just, you know, you, you terminate your employment contract, uh, your visa gets cancelled. And when your visa gets cancelled, that's it. You're not resident anymore. And so either you're there without being a resident and as a tourist or you're a resident somewhere else so for me um so i i, I stopped working in may 28 sorry in august 2018 so that's two years ago wow yeah so two years of financial independence so far <laughs> <laughs> nice. um, and then in december i moved to belgium and i registered as a tax resident in belgium in between i wasn't really tax resident anywhere i don't know how that works legally i don't think that's a big issue because i wasn't really tax well I, I guess i was still tax resident in the uae since i was there living but more as a tourist anyway no taxes so no no worries and then back in belgium from december onwards then i, I have been paying taxes uh, here and that is just uh, going to the local town hall and registering as a local resident giving your address saying this is where i live and send the police police guy comes and checks that yes you live here and that's fine so <laughs> that's kind of how it works uh, it's still sort of old school i guess but it must be it must be like that in most countries <laughs> I, yeah i don't know i mean I've, spain is another story uh the uk is another honestly yeah, yeah it's it's just it's, it's different yeah it's this is the paperwork that kind of makes it complicated uh, just branching out of that on that like the biggest struggle into uh, with moving back to belgium is all of these administrative stuff that uh, i've had to do which because i unplugged myself I'm coming back and I have to relearn everything. And for most people, it's like natural. They don't even have to think about it. Like, yes, they have social security. Yes, they have medical insurance. Yes, they have this and that and this support. And they're registered there. They have this card. They have this access thing. That's how they report their taxes. And they've been doing this for years. They don't realize it's completely like for people from people outside. It's just new, right? So I come back and I'm like, how do I even pay my taxes? Like, <laughs> I don't like who, where do I register? What are all these organizations that I know the names of, but I don't know like what I need to do, right? Anyway, that was so that was quite interesting. I had to relearn all of this. Um, I guess some of the mistakes came from from that. Mm-hmm. So you had your investments in what is it called? International interactive brokers. Yeah, interactive yeah. brokers. Uh, you didn't transfer, unfortunately, sadly. So then you were no. a tax resident in Belgium with all your investments in interactive brokers, and you had changed your on the brokerage. I guess you changed it to Belgium, but you said that they didn't accept Belgian residents, right? So no, they do accept Belgian oh, residents. Oh, they do. I see. Yeah. 
But what happened is that I, I made, well, first of all, the portfolio that I had in the UAE doesn't work quite the same way here in Belgium. So what's optimized, what's optimal for the UAE, which, which ha has no taxes is not optimal in Belgium because in Belgium we have to optimize for taxes. So I had to change my portfolio. I had, I have a very simple portfolio of ETFs, right? So I had two ETFs, maybe three, because I was still, I still had some small real estate, which I got rid of. And so I just had to s uh, sell a couple of those and then change that um, into accumulating ETFs, which is what we need here in Belgium uh, to uh, optimize for the dividend uh, tax that we have here in Belgium. So I did those transactions and these are the ones on which I should have paid taxes on transactions. Mm, okay. uh, and I did those on interactive brokers. And so that was, that, that was fine. <laughs> uh, it's just that, yeah, I didn't realize that I had to, 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 to report and pay those, but I was paying everything else uh, as I should have. So it's just one thing that slipped. Mm -hmm. I see. So you eventually, you, it's interesting that you say in the UAE, your portfolio was, was not cumulative. It was just normal i had some i had so i think one of the ets was accumulating the other one was distributing so yeah and i had a couple of distributing ones which i had to sell and then and then buy back the very same one but accumulating basically that's what i did uh, at the same time i changed my portfolio to a to a more sustainable uh, type portfolio with esg uh, index yeah. etfs oh. so i did the i did a little twist there uh, at, at, since I was changing my portfolio anyway, I was I looked at that and make that change too. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. So I, it'd be interesting to kind of compare a little bit UAE and Belgium in terms of tax advantages and and money management because you really know the two quite well. So they're they're quite different, the two countries. Yeah. What would you say overall are some of the main kind of differences uh, apart from the ones we've talked about? You think? Um, I think we've covered most of them, but just to summarize, in the UAE, there's no tax on investment, practically, aside from the taxes that are related to other countries, such as the US, right? So the US has withholding taxes and the inheritance tax, and so you want to optimize for those by buying Irish domicile ETFs. But these US taxes are the same for anyone outside of the US, so when moving to Belgium, these are still valid. So buying Irish domicile ETFs is still the thing to do from Belgium, but then Moving to Belgium, we don't have a capital gain taxes on stock ETFs, but we do have capital gain tax on certain bond ETFs, the accumulating bond ETFs. And we have taxes on, on dividend distributions. So these are the ones that a lot of index investors are optimizing for by basically moving out of distributing ETFs into accumulating ETFs, because that lets your, your portfolio grow better. You just don't have to pay dividend tax. But then for bonds, the way the government is sort of going around this is that then because you're avoiding the the tax on the dividend distribution from the traditional bonds then there's a tax on capital gain for bond ETFs uh, so there is still a tax on bonds which we can't really go around uh, but it's not a big deal because bonds don't really have that much capital gain anyway and we don't sell bonds very often anyway anyway so that is another difference which means Belgium is actually one of the very best place places in Europe to invest in the stock market because there's no capital gain on stock ETFs, no capital gain taxes, sorry. So that is brilliant, especially for someone who is FI and only relies on portfolio, for actually anyone investing really, um, that's pretty, pretty powerful. Um, and then the other thing is the transaction taxes with, uh, you have to pay for every transaction. It would be a very small percentage of the total value of the transaction. You have to pay every time you buy or you sell. And they've implemented that to reduce, uh, yeah, high frequency trading type thing or speculation and i mean different i guess they've, they've implemented that to make money too <laughs> and since yeah. they don't have taxes on capital gains um i mean it's it's interesting you're telling me all this because you are obviously fi 
in Belgium, you have the time and the energy to really educate yourself and figure it all out properly. I'm just mm-hmm. thinking if you had a full-time job and now you have a family, it's it's quite a, it's quite a lot to learn, right? Yeah, it's, it can be a lot to learn. And the difficult part is that it's not really summarized anywhere in a very simple and, and clear way. Actually, there are a few places now where it's starting to get built up. So um, the community I'm running is called Fire Belgium. There's more and more information there. There's a very good Reddit where this is also um, well explained. A lot of people are asking questions on this topic. But for the average person, even those explanations can seem overwhelming. Um, but again, luckily, once the community has figured out how to invest in an effective way, then others can you know, almost simply say, well, I'm going to do something similar because it seems to be the best way. And that's a bit naive to go like that, but it's, it, it works, right? Um, I would say the best is to actually learn it properly, but it does take a bit of an investment in terms of time. And I teach people, right? So one thing I've started doing is I run investing classes for people who want to learn how to invest in index ETFs from Belgium and from sometimes some other countries, but mostly Belgium. And so that's probably the fastest way to do that because then obviously during the course, we go through everything step-by-step and people learn exactly what they need to learn in the right order and then implement exactly what they implement in the right order. Um, They build their own portfolio, open their own brokerage account, and we do everything step by step until they are fully invested. They have an investment plan, and they're, um, yeah, that's basically that's obviously the 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 goal of the course, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, but that's 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 the way to solve it in the most efficient manner. And so you trade some well, some time that you would spend on research into uh, some money that you pay for the course, and then you get it get it done fast because it can be done in a month. And as you are fine now, so are you withdrawing a specific amount every month or every year? How have you organized yourself? Yeah, so the plan is, the plan, I'm going to tell you the plan because what we actually do is different. (laughs) The plan is to uh, revisit our finances once every quarter in terms of rebalancing and uh, uh, replenish our our FI stash uh, every six months. Uh, and then we c- we could do it quarterly if needed, but every six months is when we basically make sure we have enough cash for the next uh, 12 to 18 months. So we still have an emergency buffer of three to six months, and then we have at least a year of expenses. That's how that's how we handle that with my wife. We wanted to have uh, yeah a bit more flexibility in case something happens, so we, we did it like that. Uh, it's not essential, I would say, but we like it like that. Um, now that is the plan. Uh, in in what happens in reality is that we are so comfortable and confident in our plan and in our system that we barely ever look at anything related to our own investments. Um, so we, did not, we didn't do our quarterly rebalancing and we'll probably do a six-month rebalancing instead. So we sometimes just uh, skip because... Procrastinate. Because anyway, we, we're so confident that this is going to work mm, out. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so ideally we should be doing it every, every three months in the right way. I guess it would it would probably increase a little bit the performance of our portfolio. We do it every six months instead, and that's perfectly fine too. Yeah, there's there's no real big issue there. And uh, obligatory COVID question: How did you feel when you know markets started tanking? Or you 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 know as a financially educated person, you're like, okay, we've prepared all our lives for this, yeah. no problem. <laughs> exactly. Or did you have a little panic attack? Um, no, no panic attack, no panic attack. But we did have a bit of like, okay, what's happening next? How you know? Uh, can we be smart about this or like, so there's, there's two parts to this, right? There's the real emotional things that I think hits everyone in a way that you're like, okay, it's going down. What's going to happen next? And so we didn't, it's not like we were watching. We actually, my wife was funny. She was saying I was, 
I was thinking a lot about this as long as I was watching the news. And then at some point she stopped watching the news. She's like, I completely relaxed. And that actually is the right thing to do because then when you relax, you just stick to the plan and it, it works perfectly. Uh, we are, you know, we are very much involved with a lot of, with, with the community of investors and people seeking FI. And so we are the ones even giving advice. So in both communities that I, that I run and manage, there, there were a lot of questions of how to time the market, what to do. And our answers were always, if we don't time the market, we stick to the plan, rebalance when, when is the right time, because as per plan, right? Whatever it is that you had decided for your rebalancing, you do that. And so we were saying this to everyone. So obviously we were doing that, but at the same time, there was a little bit of us saying, is this different this time? Mm, I know, it's that phrase, <laughs> right? you know? A little bit, but then uh, like most of the time we weren't really thinking about that. So no, we, we, just, we, just, we just did what was the plan and that's it. So no change and it went well. And yeah, now we've been, you know, it's, it was sort of a test for us because it's the biggest downturn we've had since we started investing in 2012 and we passed the test. So we're happy. Well, it's not over yet. So I yeah, but we so. passed. We know that we will not sell yeah. in the next 30% downturn because we've, we've managed already the first time. Very good. Very cool. Um, okay, now moving on to the more life side of things, because it is true that moving, you know, halfway across the world for 10 years, you said, and then moving all the way back can kind of, you know, it's a proper life adjustment. So I'd love to hear yeah. a little bit about maybe not, not just the struggles, but also what it was like moving country back and forth. Is it something that you, I mean, yeah, just talk, us a little, talk to us a little bit about what that was yeah. like. And whether it's something you would might you might recommend to others, you know, moving across the world, uh, and and you know, managing your finances appropriately with that. Yeah, I think I look. I think this was an amazing experience, and I wouldn't do it any differently. Despite me not being the kind of person. So when I left, I wasn't really the kind of person who would go to Dubai in this old rich country, right? I was, you know, I was working on sustainable energy, and I was, I was thinking money was the root of all evil. Not really like that, but I wasn't really interested in money. But from an FI perspective, it was an excellent move. And then all of the opportunities that that gave me, obviously, is insane. Like, we're so lucky to be in the position we're in today. And it's just because we had this crazy idea of going to some random place around the world to discover. And both my, me and my wife, we love traveling and discovering cultures and just, just, just exploring. But at the same time, we did something extremely good for our family life in, in general. Because today we get to spend... Basically, all of our time awake and even asleep with our son. And that is such a blessing. It's just so incredible that we can do that. And it's very difficult to imagine like, how we would do it if we had to go to work and just leave this little guy behind. And, and then realizing that's the reality for everybody else in the world, mostly for a lot of people. And so we are so happy because really it happened to us, right? So yes, it's an achievement. And it does require work and dedication and some discipline and you have to learn and invest in all this, but it really happened to us. Uh, and so we are super thankful. So anyone who knows about FI and who started investing, like be thankful for what you know and be thankful how for the power it's already giving you now. I would say that's really important. Um, but sorry, back to the question of moving. The, the tricky part to moving abroad is that you leave people behind friends and family and all that and so uh, we did it both both me and my wife we did when we were young and adventurous and so it was a good thing to do we were not planning on going for very long but then we got there and kind of stayed there for a long time when we left we were sort of very different people than when we came back we came back we are you know we're family <laughs> uh, and uh, we have different aspirations and being close to our parents and to our old friends all of that became more important and it was uh, less so uh, eight to ten years ago obviously so that's, that is a, a big change. Our needs have changed. So coming back 
makes complete sense now being here close to everyone we love um, but then yeah we built relationships and friendships over there uh, which we are leaving behind as well in a way but these are people who travel around the world and we know there are going to be lifelong friends and we're going to meet them some other place they might come here we might go visit them somewhere else after covid so these are some of the big changes i think we talked about some of the other stuff already but i would say for us is yes this is this transition from being adventurous young people single at the time going to places to coming back as a family looking for you know a home and the place where we want to see our kids grow up and we didn't see the uae be that place but we do see belgium be that place and even poland so my wife's from poland and we spend a lot of time in Poland. And I think we got lucky in the sense that we really took advantage of what it is to be an expat and earn well and have adventures while we were in our 20s. And then now mid-30s, we come back and we benefit from all of the goodness of living in Western Europe. Um, well, Europe in general, because also Poland. And realizing how good life is here and, and how lucky we are. And yeah, just, just enjoying yeah, it's a very nice story. I, I really like it. How you just, you know, you moved to, to Dubai, you made a lot of money and also enjoyed yourself. That This allowed you to give you the freedom to then kind of go wherever you want to build your family and, and have a more, well, an intentional family-focused life, which sounds like the dream, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we, like, it's almost a perfect story and <laughs> yes. so lucky. Like, really, really, I mean, I keep saying it's luck because a lot of this stuff just happened to us despite all of our efforts to be intentional and to be deliberate, we kind of stumbled upon in investing and stumbled upon Ify. We could have been the same people at our age, still stuck in the UAE, with or without babies, uh, without, you know, if we didn't know about this stuff. And we got to know about this stuff for some random, random reasons, right? I mean, yes, curiosity and yes, trying to understand things and try to make life better. But we could have also just stumbled on the wrong on the wrong Google page and start trading Forex for what I know. Right. And we would have been in such a different place with so much stress and unnecessary, like, you know, trying to keep up with the Jones or whatever. So no, very grateful. Um, and, and so, but, but then I think that's something that's is in a way replicable. So if anyone, anyone in their twenties who have a professional job that has, that there is for which there is some demand abroad, like, I think it's worth doing for a few years because it can really accelerate things, but mostly for the adventure and yeah, learning the culture, etc. But it can also be part of a faster path to FI for those who are seeking to get there as fast as possible, which is not necessarily the right thing to do, but some people want that. And so this is clearly a good way for that. Yeah, well, that, that was kind of my, my last question on this topic, which is really, would you recommend we, uh, to others who, who are trying to reach FI as soon as possible to go to somewhere like the UAE where there's zero tax and high income, uh, reach an FI number and then go do whatever they want. Is this a kind of lifestyle that you, you would recommend to others, uh, to young people probably? There's two parts to this. So first is, I don't think that wanting to reach FI as soon as possible is the right choice for most people. So that's one thing and we can discuss about that second. But if the, if the, if, uh, if the listener has already decided that getting to FI as quickly as possible is the only way forward, right? And assuming that is the way, which I would probably argue against. Um, uh, then, then yes, moving abroad to um, become an expat uh, or working offshore on ships and all that, uh, or actually moving into a very specific niche, right? It could be like anything related to space exploration and travel, because that, that will be highly paid too. There's, there's going to be specific niches where if you can get in, uh, which few people can, then it's 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 a smart move. 
but you should do it mostly because of your interest in the, in the industry and in working in that industry. Now, m- moving to the UAE, yes, you know, very powerful if you can do it. Um, now, a lot of people actually move to the UAE hoping to become rich and never actually get there. So it's it's not a, a, a bulletproof strategy. Um, a lot of people actually get to the UAE and then get into trouble because they run out of money, because they lost their job, because whatever. And there's no, you know, there's no social security. There's a bunch of other issues. It's not easy to adapt culturally. It was a challenge for us and it is a challenge for a lot of people getting there. Some people just can't handle it and have to come back after six months. So yes, if you can handle it, but there is a cost to it um, as always. So I think for a small fraction of your listeners, yes, definitely. If, uh, you know, getting to FI as fast as possible is the, is the way and they like adventures and they're fairly young and, you know, in the right industry, then yes. <laughs> A lot of conditions, I would say, but it's it's clearly it's clearly a good thing to do. I would say, you know, you could probably do it because you're in like you're young, you're in in a high growth industry, and like it could probably increase your income. I, I don't. I'm not trying to give you advice here. I'm just saying like you seem to fit like someone who could be interested in that, and so people who might be a bit like you could consider that. Now, I know my understanding from you is that that's not what you want, so uh, definitely not the right advice here, but. Um, that's, and the other part of this is obviously should we pursue FI at all costs and I don't think that's that's right I think there's another episode here that we could uh, record one day I actually just wrote down in the notes like it'd be very interesting to chat one day uh, on the question you know, should you reach FI as fast as possible is that like the right mentality to have but we don't really have a lot of time left yeah. today so <laughs> there'll definitely be another episode I, I only wanted to ask like would you say it's worth maybe going to Dubai or the UAE for a couple of weeks to see what it's like, test it out, and then because I always think that's good advice to just see what, see if you like it. If you don't, because it's very hot in the summer, it's very yeah. hot, so you need to be prepared. That's another for that. thing I didn't talk about. <laughs> yeah, the environment is tough. Uh, yeah, and um, yes, and and people are quite. I mean, as you just said, lavish lifestyles, so it's quite difficult to. You you really need to find your group of people because if not, you can mm-hmm. end up spending, and also. I'm not going to lie, I did feel like it was quite, I don't want to use the word fake, but everything was a bit over over the top, over the top, yeah. So you have to be comfortable with that. It is, yeah, that's that's the that's the struggle at first, right? For sure, so it took time to, to adjust to that. But yeah, so the key is to find the right people, and I think the way you did it was pretty good because you, you went and you were staying with people who live there, so you can see their way of life. And then you can ima- try to imagine yourselves that, like that's 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 a good way of doing it for sure. Like, don't go to hotels, expensive hotels, and think that that's the life because that's not the life. <laughs> and they also told me that I, I don't know if this is true. You you can say, uh, but that employees there are quite like they um, they make you work a lot, many hours. Oh yeah, yes, we work to 80 far hours. more yeah. than here in Europe. Many yes. many hours, and the expats that I met were yes, and travel at random times mm-hmm. and for long periods of time away from home. Yeah. It, it's not a very it's 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 no, a it's, hard going life. It's a very <laughs> yeah yeah. It's like work hard, play hard type of place, and then you get paid for it. <laughs> so if you're young and you're you really want to do that, then go for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're a family, then maybe it's best to go somewhere a bit more relaxed, right? Yeah, very interesting. Okay, well, let's do our final questions. Uh, our first question is: Where can we find you online, Sebastian? Yeah, I'll try to be brief because. I know we are at the end of the episode. Um, so very quickly, I, I just started a YouTube channel. Um, I would say that's the place that I'm hoping to help as many people as I can from. 
but I'm also very much present in both Simply FI Facebook group, so Simplify Common Sense Personal Finance and Investing for anyone who's an expat, and then in the Financial Independence Belgium Facebook group, where we have regular meetups and, and events, and so that's that's where I'm mostly present and helping people. And then I have a website called firebelgium.com, which is a new website. So I did have an impactivated.com website, which we talked about last time, but this is Fire Belgium. So it's about uh, investing for financial independence from Belgium. And, and therefore those interested, so if, if you're a listener and you're based in Belgium, then you can get a free beginner's guide to index investing for Belgian investors right there. Um, that's probably the best way to get started learning from, from what, I'm, what I'm preparing. Nice. Many resources, we'll add them all in the show notes. Our second question is, what is one resource not well-known that you would recommend to others? It could be a book, a podcast, anything, really. I love podcasts. Um, I love books. Um, recently, I've, I've learned about online courses a bit more than I used to. I think that's, that's a cool resource. Um, and now I'm, I'm creating one, so I guess there's, there's some links to that. I would say the main thing is connecting with like-minded people. So local meetups. Uh, whether they're in person or virtual, it's probably more virtual at the moment. Uh, but I find a lot of value there, and I, I see it had it adds a lot of value to the people who attend. So yes, connect with like-minded people and actually talk to them. Just not don't stop at reading blogs of like people who are trying to get clicks because that's not real life. Yeah, I, I really much I very agree. Oh. Third question: What is your number one actionable tip uh, to help someone get started on their path to FI? So I think my main, my main action is kind of a, it's a piece of advice on mindset. And it's, I think, something that we mentioned earlier is not to see FI as this uh, far away target and the thing you need to aim at, at at all costs, but rather as a journey to be enjoyed and really to see FI as a power you can actually use today, right? So as you build financial security, then use that financial security and freedom to make choices that make your life happier today. And that's what we should be celebrating. Little fire wins today and not only the big explosion, explosive moment of, you know, uh, retiring or quitting your job at the very end, because that's not life. <laughs> life is just getting, making things better uh, on the way and, and, and bring all the benefit from your FI, future FI life into your life today. Like that's super powerful. So that's what I really recommend everyone. Yeah, I like that. FI is a tool, right? At the end of the day. FI is a tool, yes, and we can use it today instead of just building it mm -hmm. for the future. Very much agree with that. Um, yeah, maybe we, we talk about that in more details in some other, some other episode. <laughs> we definitely will. There's a lot to unpack, I feel. <laughs> well, Sebastian, thank you so much. It's been a great pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you for your time. It's great catching up, Araminta, yeah. Hey, Matthias, do you think there are no enough Financial Independence Facebook groups yet? Yes, there's definitely a shortage in financial independence Facebook groups. That's why we want to create another one. And the real reason is that we want to get some feedback on our episodes to have a conversation with our listeners, um, to follow on the topics. And you might also have some questions around our content. Gotcha. And also, we've been talking with more of you guys at meetups, on Reddits, in Facebook groups, the Fire Europe retreat, obviously, we organized. And this is, in the end, the main reason why we started the whole podcast project, to talk to guys like you, uh, learn more from you, case studies, answer questions, and like hopefully all grow and learn from that together in the end and become stronger, smarter, and hopefully also richer people. So, you know, Matthias, say I'm interested in this. Where do I find this Facebook group? 
Yeah, just go to your Facebook app and type in FI Europe Podcast or just click in our show notes. There's a link for the Facebook group or go to our website. There's also a link. So yeah, just type in FI Europe Podcast. See you in the group. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this. Subscribing to your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review. Following us on Instagram and Twitter at Financial Independence Europe. Sending us an email with questions and feedback. We would love to hear from you. All the mentioned articles, books and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu. Thank you for listening and see you next time.